1: what would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. Hey,
0: it's always game day in Buffalo and it is game week in Buffalo here in Orchard Park. Sal Capaccio with you on another podcast here on the Odyssey Network, wherever you get it. We appreciate you listening with my buddy, Matt Bove, as usual, Channel 7 Sports Director here, WKBW-TV. We are in Orchard Park and Matt and I are Actually, in the hallway
1: of the media room. We're trying to be quiet because there's a bunch of people working. It's game week. Everybody's got a lot of stuff to do. So we are doing this in the hallway. So if you hear any loud clanks, it will be the door from the media room opening and closing. And we'll probably get some people who chirp us as they walk by. Oh, there's no doubt about that.
0: Who's the most likely media person to walk by and chirp us if they see us doing this?
1: Uh, chirp us. Ooh, that's a good question. I would say probably like Swenson, maybe Josh Reed. They would probably say something. I think John Scott, John Scott, especially because he's feeling real big because his Ohio state team beat Notre Dame last night. John Scott, the most likely to yell at us is Waro and,
0: Oh, yeah. Well, that's kind of why we're out here, though. So Warro doesn't yell at us. Who's in the other room? We want to be respectful of them. Um, it is Labor Day weekend, college football over the weekend. Hope you had a chance to enjoy that. But now it's really quickly turning the page, Matt, to a game on Thursday in L.A. And so the way it works is because the team plays on Thursday, you have to kind of treat that like a Sunday. That's what football coaches do. Thursday becomes Sunday. Wednesday becomes Saturday, Tuesday becomes Friday, and so on. So here we are on a Sunday, which is normally like a Wednesday media day in practice.
1: Yeah, and I was actually talking to somebody over the weekend about this. I was on the golf course, and they were asking, when does the team head out to Los Angeles? And I was like, they're going to leave on Wednesday as if they were normally leaving on a Saturday. And they asked, why wouldn't they go out early? Why wouldn't they want to like try and like kind of get acclimated, get their feet wet a little bit? And I was like, no, they want to treat it just like it's a Sunday game in the Meadowlands at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Like, this is going to be... As normal of a week as possible, at least inside this building. Of course, on the outside, there's all the extra noise, there's all the extra hype, but today is Wednesday, all things considered, they'll practice again on Monday which would be like a Thursday and then on Tuesday it's usually pretty light kind of a walk-through day they just try and make sure that everybody's healthy and then they fly out to LA on Wednesday. I think we're gonna get our first injury report on
0: Monday so whenever you're listening to this it's Labor Day I know that maybe you can't get it to it right away and you know hopefully you get it uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday and you get situated on this. We're recording this on Sunday, like we said. So if anything happens after this, as far as the injury report, you know, we won't know anything about it. I will answer a little bit about that, why they don't go out. It's a good question because a few years ago, the same thing popped up. And under um, under Doug Marone, when he was here, I remember we did go out really early, like a day early. And a lot of teams do that. Sports science is big with this organization, as you know. And, and Matt, what I've learned is they've basically arrived at the conclusion of whether it's going the other way to Europe (laughs) or that way to the West coast, you either, if you're going to do that, you either do it, you got to do it like a whole week ahead of time or you don't do it at all. Like if you do it just a day or two ahead of time, you're kind of, not adjusting your body the correct way. And and that's what this organization adheres to.
1: Yeah. It's going to be weird because the game is a five o'clock local time game. So I think these guys, not a lot of them, at least if they've played for the bills are probably used to that timing of the day. Obviously it'll be eight twenty back here, but it's even weird for us. And it's definitely weird for fans who are going to the game or just people who are on the West coast. Maybe they're more used to it, but This game is going to start at 520. It's going to be done by 830. So if you're on the West Coast, normally people watch the game and then they go to bed. But on the West Coast and for this team, like they're going to finish the game 830. Then these guys are going to be back on a plane including you at like 10 o'clock.
0: I'm actually staying. We're staying. My family's in town. I'm staying until Saturday.
1: That's good because we can podcast that night then. So it's ready to go Friday morning. That's
0: exciting. I love that. And by the way, if you're heading out to LA, there's a bunch of parties going on. Uh, I'm going to be at the uh, Hermosa Beach Party. Matt's going to be there as well. Stopping by a lot of the media people. Come on by. We're raising some money for the Boys and Girls Club of Buffalo. I know they're doing some things for the 514 Survivor Fund as well here in Buffalo. So it's going to be a really good party out there. Um, And you know what I was thinking of? You just said it. If the Bills do win, all the people out there who are Buffalo fans. 8.30 in
1: L.A. on a Thursday night after a big win. The party will be on. This is almost like the appetizer to the evening. Like, you'll go to the game. Well, I think people are going to have a really good time because they're going to get to the Bills tailgates in the afternoon. They're going to have a really good time. And then they're going to go to the game. And then if they have any juice left, then they're going to keep it going. And I think if they win, they'll have a little second bolt, like a little bit of some regained energy. If they lose, most people will probably just go back to the hotel and commiserate for a little while, because that's what Bills fans do.
0: No doubt about it. We want to get to the depth chart in just a little while. But, you know, it has been kind of a a, a really interesting offseason looking forward to this game, and we're here. And you kind of think about it. You put it all into perspective to get to this point. You know, Matt, I think the biggest thing to look back in the preseason, if I can, before we get to the this week one, no injuries. That was the big thing. The only question we have is Isaiah McKenzie. As we sit here today, we do not know if he's going to be available to play. But otherwise, no major injuries, and that's what every team wants to avoid in preseason.
1: And when we talked to Bean last week, he said that it would be really tough to keep McKenzie off of the field. And I don't think the general manager says that if they're not thinking that he is going to play. So besides Isaiah McKenzie and Quentin Morris is a little banged up, this team is very healthy as they're getting ready to go into this game. And that's the biggest scare of the preseason. You're like, starters can't get hurt. We can't have these depth guys get hurt around the league. There's a lot of teams that have not been as fortunate at the bill, as the Bills have been. So all things considered... Really, really worked out, especially because they played a lot of their starters. Like Josh played for a little bit. Diggs played for a little bit. Those are the people you really are uneasy about. And then the injuries that happened earlier in camp, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde. It looks like those guys will be good to go as well.
0: Were you surprised of anybody on or off the 53-man roster, I think that O.J. Howard was the big one that people, we discussed, we didn't know what they would do. It winds up Sweeney and Morris are the two tight ends behind Dawson Knox. And I also want to add this in. Tavon Austin signed to the practice squad. That could really be a nod to, hey, what if McKenzie can't go? We get him back. We can elevate him because you do get those elevations
1: every week. I think my biggest surprises were, and it's more of like a big-picture surprise than a short-term surprise, I'm surprised Trey is going to be on the shelf for four weeks, not because of any setbacks or anything like that. I just went into this off season kind of thinking like, I bet he starts to practice at the end of training camp and then he's ready to go. So understanding the timeline now, it makes sense. But if you would have told me that, In April or May, that he wouldn't be ready. That would have been a little surprising to me. And then, specifically with the player, I thought Isaiah Hodgins did enough to make the team. So I know they got him on the practice squad. I know they're really happy about that. That was the biggest surprise to me, at least roster wise. But all things considered, it kind of looks like we thought it would look like.
0: No undrafted free agents from this year's UDFA class made the team. I think that speaks to how good of a roster the team already had. It's very tough to crack this. The only one that I think people May have had a case for was Raheem Blackshear. He had a really nice preseason, but Matt, I mean, look, I make this point all the time, and it and it it bore out, which is there was not even there was one running back one who was even claimed off waivers. Like, running backs are, I don't want to diminish them and disrespect them. They're almost like a dime a dozen when it comes to teams can find them. You don't have to have one. So it never was a big surprise to me that he didn't make the team because they were just going to get him on the practice squad. It was not a thought and a fear of, oh my god, they're going to lose this guy. One running back around the entire league was actually claimed after waivers.
1: Blackshear's path to the team is next year. If he stays on the practice squad for this full season, Devin Singletary's contract is up. You have one more year of Zach Moss who knows what he does this year. James Cook will be the guy they spent a second round pick on him james cook will be their feature running back next season assuming they don't re-sign singletary or go out and sign somebody else so blackshear's path to the team is staying here working with the offense getting the reps in on the practice squad and then when it's all said and done next year he's likely at least right now probably one of the front runners to be one of the top three guys and then maybe they keep taiwan or they have some other you know specialist running back players And, and
0: and one point on the roster before we get to the depth chart here. I think the biggest decision for the team, it looks like came down to Cam Lewis against Nick McLeod. They both practiced on the day that really, I mean, literally like everybody who wasn't on the actual 53 was not at practice except Barkley. They wanted him because he's a quarterback. They were getting him back. Nick McLeod and Cam Lewis both practice. Nick McLeod gets waived. He gets picked up by the giants. It literally might've been Brandon Bean saying, which of these guys can we live with Joe Shane picking up? Because we knew that was going to happen. And I'll also just throw out, throw this out there. Cam Lewis is going to be a restricted free agent next year. You still have team control for another year. Year by keeping him on the roster, and I, I think Brandon Bean wants his flexibility as a nickel corner as well.
1: And they also want their flexibility with, you know... Their options in the future. So that's why I think the restricted free agent point is a really good point because as the secondary continues to get older and you have questions with the safeties moving forward, you have, you know, there's a lot of things they got to figure out. Cam Lewis is still a young player. He's a homegrown player. He's been with the organization for a while. They trust him. He's got the versatility and they control his rights next year. So I think he kind of checks all of the boxes. And that's why it made sense that he was the one who edged McLeod out.
0: The Bills did lose four players on the waiver wire. We have all. All of that, you can check it out, Matt and Sal, both of us on Twitter, wherever you want to get all of your information from. We have all of those players, including Nick McLeod, who is now a New York Giant. All right, Matt, let's get into the depth chart for this team that was released over the weekend.